announcements and we'll let the children go to Children's Church. Thank you, Mom. Happy Mother's Day. What, it's ladies, right? Always emptying themselves for everybody around them, right? Even on their own day, right? Laying down their life for the life of other people, right? And what a sign and a wonder and a testimony of God that is to all of us, right? Because he laid down his life for us. And the reason why that's even in women is because they're the image of God, right? They're in the image of God. And they have this thing in them where they care more about the, the lives of the people around them than they do their own life. Right. And so, ladies, if you ever feel alone, if you ever feel worn out, if you ever feel unappreciated, if you ever feel like no one knows, no one sees, I promise you the one that matters sees. God sees and God knows because he first laid down his life for everyone. He was first not appreciated. He first thought of everyone above himself. He first did all those things. He is intimately acquainted with what you can feel. Don't let the world convince you that no one knows. Don't let the world convince you that you're all alone. God knows. God's with you. He's closer to you than you can ever imagine. He has felt it too, right? And on another note, I see you. And on behalf of everybody that maybe hasn't said thank you, thank you. Thank you. For all your kids that maybe haven't seen yet and you think, will they ever see? I'm a testimony of a kid that no one thought could ever see, and I see, and I know. And so your kids will come back to you one day, and thank you. They will come back to you, and they will thank you. I told my mom that I hated her. I cursed my mom up and down. I put my mom through more hell than any of you could possibly imagine. Than any of you could possibly imagine. It is not an embellishment, and if I got into telling you stories, you would think, oh my gosh, this guy's got problems. It would just testify of the goodness of God. But um, I know, and we're on behalf of them, thank you for everything that you do. Thank you for doing it when no one thanks you. Thank you for loving us when we don't love you back. Children have a hard time even considering that their mothers are people, because their only reference for their mothers is their mother was just everything all the time. Mother doesn't have feelings. Mother doesn't feel lack. Mother doesn't have fear, insecurities. Mother never feels alone. Mother is just everything that I need. And so kids, they don't mean to do it, but they grow up thinking that you're good. They grow up thinking that you're like God. They grow up thinking that you got no problems. You got no worries. You got no cares. And so they don't even possess the ability to think of you as a person sometimes. They don't mean it. They don't know. They don't see yet. But they will grow in wisdom and stature, and they will see, right? And they will come and tell you they saw and that they know, and they will thank you. I thank my mom every day now, right? That woman is a saint for dealing with me. My goodness, glory to God for my mother. Um, and you guys are much more of a mother in other areas of your life than you might know, even outside of just your children right? There's qualities in you that are motherly in every relationship you have and in every walk that you have in life. Thank you. You are a great blessing in all of your relationships. You bring so much care, so much comfort, so much nurturing. Happy Mother's Day. We salute all of you guys, right? And don't just think we know this day. We know every day. We know. And if you ever think you forget, call me. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. I'll, I'll discern your kids for you. I'll discern their hearts for you. I'll discern your husband for you so you could see that he knows and he cares too, right? Um, 
That's a gift from God that I have. Glory to God. Um, let's see. Where are we at? You guys bear with me as I sort through this. I think this will be the shortest message I ever preached. No, I'm going to stick to this. I promise you. I'm going to stick to it. Thank you, Jesus. The, the name of the message is the motherly nature of God. And so, ladies, it's not to lessen your impact on all of us because you are the image of God, but God is the mother we all need. And so we're going to look at the motherly nature of God today and just talk about that. Thank you, Father, that uh, you care for us, that you, you come to us with a, a soft voice and a, a gentle touch to pamper us with your life to pamper us with your love. Thank you, Father, that you're all the time giving birth to life in us, that you're all the time serving us, that you're all the time preferring us over yourself. Just thank you, Lord, that uh, we could see you real clearly today as everything that we need, that we could see you come behind in no good thing. Just thank you, Father, that we could get a revelation today that women are your image in this earth and that the, your nature dwells in them, and that they help us to see you, and that they help us to know the love you have in, in your heart for us. Amen. Glory to God. Um, and so, man, we want to honor all, all the ladies um, for everything that they do. And, and, you know, it's true of every woman. Whether they've given birth physically to a child or not, there's motherly characteristics in every woman, right? Whether they have physically given birth or not, there is motherly a motherly nature in every woman that is a great blessing to the people they have relationships with, right? I remember growing up as a child, having relationships, friendships with women that were very motherly, right? And man, it was a great blessing in my life to have those relationships. So ladies, if you haven't given physical birth um, to a child, we still honor you, and you're the image and likeness of God. And there's motherly characteristics in you that are a great blessing in all your relationships, right? That uh, declare God to the people that you have relationships with. You're a great treasure in the world. God honors you, and we honor you, right? You're priceless to all of us. It's like the MasterCard commercial, priceless, right? Women are priceless in this world. There's no replacement for them. There's no substitute for them. They are a sign and a wonder to all of us of the heart of God. And so thank you guys so much. And the reason why I wanted to talk about the motherly nature of God is we talk so much about God as Father that I think we can completely lose sight of the fact that uh, there's a motherly nature to God. There's a motherly side to God's heart and the way God is manifested in the earth. Women are also the image of God. I mean, I know that, duh, that's in the Bible. Women are the image of God. But we get into, we have the son and we have the father, right? And they, our, our worldly view is a male perspective. And we lose sight of the fact that there is a womanly or motherly aspect to the nature of God. And that they help declare God in the earth. Romans 1 says it this way, that the invisible things of God 
can be clearly seen in creation. So there's an invisible thing about God, that there's a motherly nature to his heart, a motherly aspect to how he manifests himself. And we can't see it because it's invisible, but the things in creation make it very clear to us. And it makes it very clear to us through women being in the earth. Women help us to see God. They help us to know God's heart. They help us to see the nurturing, the caring, the pampering, the softness, the gentleness of God. They help us to see all those things. When God says in Genesis chapter 1, all the way back in the beginning, when he says, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Do you know what the scripture goes on to say? Male and female made he them. So when he talked about making man, in his image, after his likeness, it took both male and female to declare him. It took both male and female to fill out the nature of God in the earth. A man alone in the earth does not declare the full nature of God. It took men and women in the earth to fill out the nature of God in the world. Glory to God. And so you can't accurately portray all of the attributes of God without both male and female. Right? You guys following that? That softness you see in your wife, that softness you see in your girlfriend or just the women in the relationships, that's trying to tell you something about God. Trying to teach you something about God. Right? And so, guys, I know the world is coming to the place where we say men and women aren't different. Listen, we're different but equal. And equality is not found in being the same. That's not where equality is found. You know where equality is actually found? It's found in you each seeing that you're the image of God. Equality for women is not found in proving they can do what a man can do. And equality for men is not found in proving they can do what a woman can do. Men and women have different attributes. They have different characteristics. They see things differently. They view life differently. They process through life differently. And thank God. Thank God they do. Because listen, man, I neglect myself. And you know what that means? If I neglect myself, I'm more than likely neglecting the people around me. Because I'm so busy with what I'm doing to try to bring life to the table. And if it wasn't for my wife being with me to care for me, to keep me from neglecting myself, man, I'd be running to the ground. Glory to God. And so men and women, we embody different attributes of God's nature. That's okay. Don't let the world come and tell you that's wrong. It's not wrong. It's true. God himself has different aspects of his nature that manifest in a womanly way and manifest in a fatherly way. Right? And it's not to say that men and women can't both be compassionate or nurturing. But the way those things manifest in, in men and women look differently. Right? A fatherly compassion will look different than a motherly compassion. Right. When I fell off my bike, when I was riding my bike on training wheels, trying to learn how to ride a bike and I skinned my knee, my dad would be like, oh, no big deal. Right. It's just a skinned knee. He's going to recover. Right. He's a father. He knows it's growing pains. He's going to become tough. But my mom would run to my aid. Right. And pamper my Bobo. <laughs> I still remember being like a little Bobo, you know, and, and she wouldn't just bandage it the one time. She would come and she would check it afterwards to see if it was infected. If it had something called impetigo. I still remember. Do I have impetigo? <laughs> I don't even know if I'm pronouncing that right because that's the way it sounded when I was like five. Right? 
Listen, my dad was nurturing and compassionate in a different way than my mother was. He wasn't checking to see if I had impetigo, right? But my mom was all about it. And so men and women embody different aspects of God's attribute, but, but make no mistake about it. You need both attributes of a man and a woman to care for a life, to nurture a life, to protect a life, to see a life grow. You need both the attributes of a man and a woman. God embodies them all. So there's a fatherly aspect of God, and there's a motherly aspect to God. And like I just alluded to with my mother, one of the motherly aspects of God is intercession. And women, one of the attributes of women that represents God, that declares God to the world, is intercession. I don't know what, what veins of Christianity you guys have, have come out of, but I've moved through different veins along the years, growing in wisdom and stature. One of the veins, I, charismatic veins I moved through, there was lots of intercession, intercessory prayer. I don't know if you guys realize it, it was always women that were the intercessors. You never had a bunch of men in there interceding. And so that's one of the, the, the ways women declare God in the earth. It's through intercession. And I don't mean intercession like maybe we learned in, in the church world, where we described intercession as we're going to beg and plead with God to get God to move or to do something. That's not the kind of intercession I'm talking about. And I'm not talking about the kind of intercession where we were wrongly taught that Jesus has to intercede to the Father to keep the Father from wanting to smite us. That's not the kind of intercession I'm talking about either. The kind of intercession I'm talking about that, uh, that women represent is exactly what I just described about my mother. When I think about my mother, I think about when I was young and I would come down with a fever or with a sickness. Man, my mom was there. And she wasn't just there, you know, well, I'll take you to the doctor. She was there with the washcloth pampering my head, sitting next to me while I sweat, trying to bring down the fever, putting her hand on me, telling me she loved me, telling me it was going to be okay. She would make the bed up real nice to make sure I was comfortable while I was sick. She would bring in soup and bring in food for me to care for me. She would bring in the VCR into the room and set up the TV in my room so I could be distracted from what hurt me. When I would hurt myself outside, like I said, when I would fall off my bike and hurt myself, my mom would run to my aid to assist me in the midst of my distress. She would run to me to comfort me, to hurt, help me to, to, to care for my wounds, to bandage them up, to assist me. Hmm. And the whole reason why she did that was to deliver me from my suffering. It bothered her deeply that I could be hurting. And so she would run to my aid, to swoop into action, right? To come to my aid. When I think about my own wife, right? Whenever I don't feel good, this woman is out there making chicken noodle soup for me. I'm also very compassionate, but I'm compassionate a different way. I don't think to make chicken noodle soup for somebody that don't feel good. You know what I think to do? I'm going to go pray for them and then that's it. And then I'm going to leave them to deal with themselves. I'm thinking about Jared's mother, and God bless uh, Jared's mother, Becky, man. I love her. But when they had a bout with COVID recently, man, his mother was so concerned, she messaged me, right? And it was like, we got to intercede. 
for my boy and his family, right? And man, you can, I realize that now the motherly nature of God was coming out of her because I'm thinking, oh my goodness, man, like they're they going to die. And so I'm on the phone with Jared and Jared picks up the phone and he's like a man. He's all, no, we good, bro. Right? And so him and I are thinking, oh, it's straight. We just don't feel good. But a mother is like, it's not okay for my kid to hurt. It's not okay for them to be in pain. And they want to run to the aid to help them in their affliction, to comfort them, to make sure their life is being cared for. That's a womanly thing. And they get it from God. It's because they're the image of God that they do that. Like I talked about, I neglect myself. I neglect my life. I don't think about myself. I don't take care of myself to my own detriment. To, to the place where it can wear on me emotionally and physically. But my wife, she sees and she swoops in to take care of me. She swoops in to stop me. She swoops in to nurture me when she sees me neglecting myself. Right? Men, don't despise your wife when she does that. She does it because she loves you. Right? And ladies, your husbands, your boyfriends, whoever, they don't mean to neglect themselves. And they don't mean to act like in ASS, when you confront them about it, right? They're just trying to do good, and they don't want to hear anything else about it. I'm just trying to do good. Just see me doing good. That's it, right? But guys, appreciate that they interject. You need that. You're running yourselves into the ground. You're killing yourself sometimes, and you need a soft touch and a gentle voice to come and tell you, whoa, whoa, man. Right? Take a deep breath. Take a moment. Sit down. Right? Glory to God. That's intercession. That's the kind of intercession that I'm talking about. That's what it means to intercede. My wife, my mother, they're interceding on my behalf. The way they're interceding on my behalf is they're pampering my life to give me comfort from what is afflicting me. They see me being afflicted. They saw me being afflicted, and they came to comfort me by pampering me with life. That's the intercession that I'm talking about. That's the intercession that represents the motherly nature of God. And that's what intercession is all about. It's about comforting someone in the midst of their troubles or their weakness or their pain. And the way you comfort them is by pampering them with life. That's what intercession really is, right? That's what we want to think about when we think of intercession. If you read Romans chapter 8, we're already almost done. I told you. <laughs> People are like, this is a miracle. It's a Christmas Day miracle. No, it's a Mother's Day miracle. Some of you are thinking if only every day could be Mother's Day. <laughs> Romans 8, we'll pick up in verse 22. For we know that the whole creation groans and travails in pain together until now. Right? And not only creation, but we ourselves also. We groan and travail. So you notice how it talks about us being afflicted. Our lives coming under attack. Us experiencing tribu tribulation. Us experiencing pain us experiencing hurt, our lives coming under assault based on what's going on in the world. And there's a groaning in us, desiring comfort. 
desiring to be pampered um, and cared for in the midst of everything we see going on that's wrong in this world. There's a desire for that. And not only creation, but ourselves also groan and travail, which have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man sees, why does he yet hope for? But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. Likewise, the Spirit also, the Holy Spirit, helps our infirmities. The Holy Spirit helps our weaknesses. This how I, I was just talking about my mother helping me in my weakness, my wife helping me in my weakness, nurturing my life, pampering me, caring for my life. Paul comes and says, the Holy Spirit does all that for us. The Holy Spirit is here with us now to comfort us or to help us in the midst of our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession. The Spirit intercedes. The Spirit makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. That means the Holy Spirit wells up in our hearts when we're in the midst of our lives being afflicted by what we see going on here. Right? When we're in the place where we're like, there's so much to see going on now that isn't right. Is it just me? Do you guys all see it? Just so you know, it's always been this way. It's just information hasn't traveled like that till recently. So we can go and look at it everywhere. We're not just seeing it in our little village. We see it everywhere in real time, right? When we're in that place, the Holy Spirit was poured out on us to bring comfort to us. That's why Isaiah says, comfort ye, comfort ye, my people. Speak comfortably to my people. The Holy Spirit was given so it could intercede in our hearts, just like my mother interceded for me. The Holy Spirit is there to intercede in our hearts when we're in the midst of seeing our lives suffer a wound or suffer tribulation to bring us comfort. To, to pamper us with life, to, to secure us, to come to our aid. That's what the Holy Spirit is there for. When we feel like we're being overcome and we can't carry on, the Holy Spirit is there to come in and uphold our lives. It's there to come with a soft touch and a gentle voice to tell us it's going to be okay, to assure us that it's going to be okay, to remind us that God himself is standing inside of us. God himself has made his home inside of us and God himself will keep our house. God himself will stand up inside of us and cause us to overcome all of the tribulation we see in this earth. And that's really what my mother did for me. When I would fall down and be hurt and I thought it was the worst thing in the whole world, all of a sudden I could feel her hand on me. All, I could, all of a sudden I could see that she cared for my life. All of a sudden I could see her pampering me and taking care of my wounds. And all of a sudden I could think everything's going to be okay. And then everything was better because mother is there. Even when I became a grown man, I moved off to Colorado. And listen, there's not really four-wheel drives in Louisiana. And so I moved off to Colorado with this little bitty Nissan truck, rear wheel drive. And I lived in Boulder, Colorado, right in the foothills. And I had a snowboarding pass, a season pass. And there was one, one weekend I was driving up Vail Pass in this rear wheel little Nissan truck. You had to put giant sandbags in the bed to press down the back tires to get any traction. Well, I'm going up Vail Pass and guess what decides to happen? A gigantic blizzard. 
And I'm talking about it's the kind of blizzard where you can't see not even one foot in front of you. All you see is white out everywhere. And I promise you, you think it's the end of the world. You think there's an apocalypse. You think you're going to die. All I could think of, I mean, you're talking about white knuckling the steering wheel, right? Because you're just sliding all over the place. You can't even see there's a road. You don't even know if you're on the road anymore. Boy, this day I'm doing that. Just so you know, when I got back down the mountain that time, I bought a Montero Sport, a four-wheel drive. And I was done with that truck. (laughs) But when I was in that moment, do you know what my heart said? You know what my heart thought of? My mom. I wanted my mom. Because my heart remembered my mom interceding in my life when it would come under assault and when it was being hurt. My heart remembered my mom with a gentle touch in a soft voice, making everything okay, right? When I thought I'm going to slide off the road and I'm going to die, I wanted to call my mom. And I, I remember thinking, will my phone work? Can I call my mom, right? It was because my mom had interceded my whole life every time I felt hurt, right? And she wasn't just interceding for her to intercede. It was trying to testify to me about the motherly nature of God. In the way God intercedes in our hearts. Just like Paul says about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the motherly nature of God. The Holy Spirit embodies the motherly attributes of God. You know, in ancient Hebrew, do you know how they describe the Holy Spirit? The Shekinah, glory of God. Or if you don't like that pronunciation, they say the Shekinah, glory of God. Really, it's more like Shekinah. That's the word they would use to describe the Holy Spirit. Do you know that word is the feminine? It's written in a feminine uh, vowel. It's describing the nature of the Holy Spirit in a womanly way, a motherly way. The Holy Spirit, if you go and read in Proverbs chapter 8, the Holy Spirit is described as a she. Go and read Proverbs 8 when you're done today. And watch how it talks about somebody that was there with God in the beginning that created everything with him, and how it says she. Well, we know that's not talking about Jesus, because Jesus is the Son. He was there in the beginning, too. Well, it's not talking about the Father, because the Father is the Father. But it describes the Holy Spirit in a womanly way. Jesus calls the Holy Spirit the Comforter, doesn't he? And so he sees there's a comforting aspect to God a nurturing aspect of God. There's something in God that has a nurturing heart, a caring heart, a pampering heart, a heart that intercedes, a heart that when they see their children suffering and their lives coming under tribulation, a heart that wants to run to their aid to assist them in their tribulation and to touch them with a soft touch and to give them a gentle voice, speak comfortably to my people. And that's what Isaiah Isaiah is prophesying about the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit coming. And you could see the Father talking to the Spirit. I'm going to pour you out into the earth. Speak comfortably to my people. Speak comfortably. Comfort ye. Comfort ye, my people. Tell them we have conquered the death that's warring against them. Paul says the reason we groan and travail is because we want our bodies to be redeemed. How many of you like it when your body gets older? How many of you like the way it feels? How about the way it looks? Why don't you like it? Why do we care? I mean, my wife and I were talking about gray hairs this week, right? 
and I'm like, I got gray hairs all in my face. I mean, I don't even have any hair anymore. But which little ones I do, they are gray. Right? And so, man, we groan and travail desiring to see life swallow up all this affliction we see here. We hate the death we see here. We hate the weakness we see here. We hate the tribulation we see here. Do you know why? Because we come from God and there's no darkness or death in God. There's only light in life. And so we groan and travail desiring to see all this tribulation removed from the earth. Well, God is also desiring it. And he set the day where he's going to consume all the death and darkness that's in this earth. And he's going to separate the death from this earth and he's going to remove it forevermore. And there's coming a day where death isn't going to exist anymore. And until that day comes, he has sent out the Holy Spirit, which is the motherly nature of God, to intercede in our hearts as we see it all, to come to our aid, to comfort us with a soft touch and a gentle voice, just like our mothers. <laughs> the Holy Spirit is the comforting hand of God resting upon our lives. Just, it's okay. Just like my mother. I used to dream even as a child. In my dreams, my mother's hand resting on my back when I was with a fever and, and confused and, you know, delirious. It's a comforting hand. The Holy Spirit is the comforting hand resting upon your lives, right? That's what it is. It grieves God to see us suffering at the hands of the sin and death in this earth. Just like it grieves my mother to see me fall down and skin my knee. Or it grieves my mother if I come home from school and someone was bullying me or I didn't make the team. It grieves God when he sees us suffering at the hands of, of the sin and death. It grieves his heart. It hurts us, him to see us being taken from rest, to see us sweating from our brows, trying to gather peace and love and joy to ourselves. Because that's what the world's trying to compel us to do. Right? We, we hate the feeling of weakness. We hate the feeling of sadness. We hate the feeling of lack. We hate the feeling of anything other than abundance. We hate that. And this world is all the time presenting us with things to tell us we don't have what we need to have peace and love and joy. It's all the time trying to compel us to try to gather the peace and love and joy that we know is right to ourselves. God sees that. He sees us sweating from the brow trying to satisfy our own desire for life. And he doesn't despise us. What happens is, is it hurts him to see us there. It bothers him to see us living that way. And so just like a mother runs to their child in the midst of their affliction, in the midst of their, their hurt, with a soft voice and a gentle touch to ease the pain and to ease the hurt and to bring solace to their loved ones from what is afflicting their lives. Just like a woman does that, the Holy Spirit is God running to us. It's God coming to us with a soft voice, a gentle touch to console us when we are beset by the weakness that's in this world. It's him coming to lay his head, hand on us and tell us it's okay. He's here. He's with us. Everything we need to be healed from what is afflicting us is in him. And he's closer to us than we could ever imagine. I mean, that's what the Romans 8 says, isn't it? That the Holy Spirit helps us with our infirmities. Wasn't the Holy Spirit poured out on all flesh? Just like my mother ran to me, that's God running to us. 
It's God coming to help us when we feel weakness, when we're in a state of sickness or frailty, when we are suffering affliction or distress or calamity. God cares. That's why he gave us the Holy Spirit. And if we talk more about the Holy Spirit this way, we might actually feel the hand of God on us when we were suffering. But what we've done is we've declared a, a word in the earth about God that has told us God's far from us when we're suffering. And we see the, the suffering as a sign he's far from us. That's a lie from the pit of hell. How can the psalmist say, even if I make my bed in hell, you're with me there, Lord? You know what the word help means when Paul says the, Holy, the Spirit intercedes and helps us in our infirmities? The word help means to take hold of someone, to give aid to their lives. This is the Greek meaning. It means to bear someone up, to lay hold of someone in the sense of embracing them with a hug. That's what it means, that word help. It means to embrace someone and hold them in your arms. And in embracing them and holding them in your arms, you are bearing up their life. We've stripped out the feeling in God's heart from the scriptures. Right? And that's one of the reasons why we need to be reminded of the motherly aspect of God. There's a gentleness in God. I don't know if you guys realize it, but we got this distant view of God, like the great and powerful Oz. Right? Like he's some distant person, he doesn't feel, he doesn't know, he doesn't care, he never hurts, he never grieves, he never suffers, and we're just here all alone doing it by ourselves. That's one of the things the cross was supposed to blow up. Because I don't know if you guys remember, but Jesus said he was God. Well, there's God experiencing the same suffering we all experienced when we nailed him to a tree. And so he is not indifferent to your pain. He poured out the Holy Spirit to comfort you, to embrace you, to give you a big hug, to hold up your life as this world tries to come against you. Mm. The Holy Spirit is God mothering us. The Holy Spirit is God mothering us. I said this in the Bible study. You should listen to the Bible study too. The Holy Spirit is God mothering us, but I hate to break it to everybody. God's the mother we all need. He ain't just the father we all need. He's the mother we all need. And ladies, you could take a tremendous burden on yourself because you have this nature in you that nurtures and cares and, and, and wants to protect and wants to foster life. You have that nature in you, but don't let the world convince you to take on the burden of the life giver. God is the mother that your kids need. And the best way you can be a mother to their lives is by you committing the cares and the burden you feel for their life into his hand. Because if you're carrying the cares of your children's lives, I don't know if you realize it, but the scripture says in the parable of the sower sowing the seed that the cares of this world chirp out the power of the word. Chokes out the power of God to bring forth his life in you, the cares of the world. God's the mother that your children need. And so connect with God about that. Commit the care that you have for your children's lives into his hands and then watch him be able to manifest himself in your life towards your kids. Because the world wants to burden you. And if it can get that burden on you, it will choke you out. You can't be God. You can't be the Holy Spirit. You can only serve as a sign of the Holy Spirit. 
right? Men have, a, men have a hard time not trying to be God as Father. We take that burden on ourselves. Women have a very hard time not taking on the burden of being the Holy Spirit in the family dynamic. So that's what the Holy Spirit is. It's God mothering us. It's God embracing us. It's God pampering us with his life. The Holy Spirit is God hugging us. Don't you like a hug when you feel hurt? Doesn't it feel good when someone hugs you? You don't feel alone no more, do you? You feel like someone understands and you feel like someone cares when they hug you. That's God trying to tell us he cares. Don't just see it as some technical thing, some scriptural thing that the Holy Spirit was poured out on all flesh. It's true, but what does it mean? What is that? That's God embracing us, hugging us because he cares. Mm. It's God running to us in our distress to give us relief, to assist us as we walk through all of this. He knows better than we know what it's like to walk through all of this. He came in human flesh. The scriptures prophesy of Jesus being born. It calls him Emmanuel. And do you know what it says? That he's everlasting father. It calls him mighty God. Mighty God entered into our frailty and experienced everything we experience. And he felt grieved at what we experience. And so he sent his Holy Spirit to embrace us, to come to our aid when we're in the midst of distress. The Holy Spirit is God pampering us with his life. Pampering us with his life. It's God giving birth to his life and the fruit of his life in us so that we can be consoled when we're inconsolable. Any of you inconsolable? I'm the inconsolable kind of guy. You can't console me. I don't want to hear any words that try to talk me out of feeling what I feel, right? I will argue with you about how what you say don't matter. That's just the way that I am. And you know what? I did that with God for years. And I, because God always tried to console me. And I'm like, no, 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 no. And I'd argue with him. I'd argue away all of his stuff. Now I look back and I see God and I were playing chess. And every time I would argue with him when he tried to console me, I figured, check me. What you gonna say now, bro? What I realized is God was playing 3D chess and I was playing checkers. And through, he took all my arguing and inconsolableness and what he did was he unwound all of my fears and insecurities and loneliness and confusion and brought me to a place where I could feel his warm embrace. And now I see God with me everywhere I go. I see him pampering me with life. I see him giving birth to life inside of me. I see that spirit producing the fruit of the spirit in me to console me. And we'll finish with this. Genesis 1. If you look at the beginning of Genesis 1, go back and read it um, for yourself and, and get a personal picture there, a relational picture. It's a relational God that loves us. It's not a mechanical God. It's not a computer program. It's not this far and away God that, that doesn't know. It's a relational God that has emotions, that feels things, that feels hurt, that feels love, that feels pain. That's the reason why we could feel all those things. The only reason why we can feel the emotions we feel is because God also feels those things. The only reason we could have a heart is because God also has a heart. And so if you go and read Genesis 1, 
It says the Holy Spirit moved upon the waters when the earth was, with, was void and without shape and form and full of darkness. It says the Holy Spirit moved. Right? When, when this Genesis says that the earth was without shape and form and it was full of darkness and chaos, when you look at that in the Hebrew, it means the earth was in utter desolation and confusion. It means the earth, you ever seen like the asteroids in those movies where it's like coming to destroy the earth? You ever notice how it looks like chaos and confusion around that? Utter desolation and destruction? That's what the scripture is trying to describe about the state of the earth. It's lifeless. There's no order. It's in total disorder. It's full of chaos. And when it says that the earth was in the place of utter desolation, utter confusion and lifeless, what it says there is that the Holy Spirit moved over the earth when it was in that place. The Holy Spirit comes, sees the earth in turmoil. Here comes the Holy Spirit. Why does the Holy Spirit come to the earth when the earth is in turmoil? Why? What's it doing? Comforting. You could take Isaiah and read it into Genesis 1. Comfort ye, comfort ye, our creation. When, when, it, when the Hebrew word for moved, when it says the Holy Spirit moved over the earth, we just think of like a car moving. That's not what it's talking about. When you look at that Hebrew word for moved, when it says the Holy Spirit moved over the earth when it was in a state of turmoil, do you know what that word moved means and what it implies in the Hebrew? It speaks of a mother hen or a mother bird nesting or incubating or coming to sit on their young to warm their lives and to aid their lives and to build their lives up. It speaks of the brooding of a bird over its young to incubate life or bring forth life or to strengthen the lives of their young ones. <laughs> so when the earth, was in a state of utter confusion and desolation. Sound familiar? What does the earth look like now? We feel it sometimes inside of ourselves, don't we? Utter confusion, desolation, chaos, disorder. When the earth was in a state of utter desolation, confusion, and chaos, the Holy Spirit hovered over the earth as a mother hen hovers over her young. To nest, to give birth to life in the midst of the desolation, to bring relaxation or quietness to the creation that was inconsolable. I think about my mom, and that's exactly what she did to me when I was sick. Sometimes when you're little and you're sick, you don't understand. Why am I sick? Why don't I feel good? What's wrong? What's happening? And my mom would swoop in like a mother hen, right, to nurture my life, to warm me, to care for me. That's the same thing as the Holy Spirit. When the earth was in utter turmoil, when it was lifeless, the Holy Spirit moved over the earth to incubate life there, to give birth to life. Isn't mother that gives birth to life? When you take mother and father, it's the father that has the seed and the mother gives birth to the life. The Holy Spirit comes from the seed of the father and gives birth to life. And so the Holy Spirit moved over the earth when the earth was lifeless and full of disorder. And it moved over the earth to incubate life, to give birth to life so that it could bring quietness to the chaos, so that it could calm and relax the destruction and the desolation in the earth. The Holy Spirit moved over the earth. Do you know what to be? A mother 
through the earth. To be a mother to the earth. To give birth to life in the earth. And to bring quietness to creation. I'll probably upset people. YouTube might ban me. There is no Mother Earth. There is no such thing as Mother Earth. The, the earth needed to be mothered by the Spirit of the living God. Now, we're part of creation. When Adam was made from the dust of the ground, he was without shape and form. And the Holy Spirit was poured out into him. The Holy Spirit was poured out into us, guys. It's hovering in our hearts right now. Do you know what it's doing? It's giving birth to life in us. It's giving birth to the fruit of the Spirit in us. It's with us to be a mother to our lives, to comfort us when we see the affliction and distress in this world and when we experience it. It's with us to produce or give birth to life in us, to be the mother that we need. That's the Holy Spirit. And if we'd actually heard this about the Holy Spirit, we'd experience more of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Because we'd have eyes to see God with us through the Holy Spirit. We'd see God is with us to be the mother that we need. And we would feel the comforting hand of God. We would feel the gentle touch of God. We would feel the soft voice of God. We would feel his hand and we would know we're embraced by the living God. Everything's okay. Right? The Holy Spirit's the motherly manifestation of God. Go and read Proverbs chapter 8 and behold the she for yourself. The she and the her. And how it talks about being there in the beginning with God. I promise you, the only people before anything was created, I don't even want to say people, the only thing that was there before anything was created is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And actually, the entire book of Proverbs is trying to tell you about how the Holy Spirit will be nurturing to your life and serve you with the life you need. It compares actually two women in the book of Proverbs, and it uses women because we're in the earth. It has the strange woman, and it tells you what the strange woman would do to your life. You know who the strange woman is? It's not actually talking about a physical woman, guys. It's talking about the wisdom in the world and how it will accuse you. It's talking about the wisdom of the serpent and how it will speak evil of you and how it will tear down your life and how it will lead you to the place and deceive you into thinking you can find life there when when you get there, all you find is death. It's comparing the Holy Spirit with the spirit of the Antichrist. That's what it's comparing. And it's using two women to do it. I remember when I was like 18, I didn't know these things. I didn't understand anything. And one of my relationships went bankrupt and I was in a place of pain. And I remember reading the book of Proverbs carnally, right? <laughs> and it was so funny because I read one of the Proverbs. It says something like, it's better to dwell on the roof of a house in a corner than to live in the house with a contentious woman. Well, I didn't know God then. And so I was like, that's what it was like living with this woman. Men, if you've done that, you're wrong. That verse is not talking about a physical woman. It's talking about the accuser of the brethren, which is the serpent, the devil, that dragon. It's talking about how the wisdom that's in him will always 
be filled with strife and contention. And it will always accuse you. I promise you, a person is not your problem. Your problem is the wisdom that's in this earth that come from the serpent that is as a contentious woman in your life, all the time pointing at the things in your life that it says are wrong and telling you how wrong they are. The Holy Spirit is the virtuous woman at the end of the book of Proverbs, always speaking well of you, always telling you how you have all things, always telling you how God himself is living inside of you, always telling you how you lack nothing that you need for life and God likeness, standing in the square, defending your name, defending your honor, defending your life. The Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father, that you're the mother that we need. Thank you that you, you, you run to us when we're in distress. Lord, thank you that we can understand this about you through your Holy Spirit even dwelling in us. Lord, I just ask that you pop open everyone's eyes to this truth. Everyone here, everyone listening to this, everyone who will listen to it, that they begin to see you with them in the midst of their distress, that they begin to feel your comforting hand resting on their lives, that they begin to hear your soft voice speaking comfortably to them, telling them that everything's going to be okay, that they begin to see you embracing them, that they begin to see you raising them up, that they begin to see that you have poured out your incorruptible seed into them and that they have everything that's needed for peace and love and joy. Thank you, Father, for rebuking the spirit that's in the earth from the serpent. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Glory to God. Happy Mother's Day. We love all you mothers. Thank you so much for for spending your time here with us today. It's no small thing that you would come on Mother's Day and sit here with all of us. God bless all of you. God bless you guys watching online.